Father, we seek your guidance, your wisdom, and your support as we begin this meeting. Let us be kind, compassionate, forgiving to one another, just as you are forgiven. Open your mouth with kindness and not hate or scorn. May love rule the day and counsel and help counsel with bringing faith, joy, and kindness to this room. Amen. Please rise. Please, I'm sorry, uh, roll call first. Sorry, guys. Sorry, my fault. My fault. My fault. Roll call first. Roll call first. Councilmember Hollingshead. Here. Councilmember Katie. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Present. Councilmember Dietz. Here. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Here. Mayor Gray. Here. Thank you. Now we can rise to the Pledge of Allegiance, please. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm going to start with the proclamation, and we'll come back to council comments. Proclamation 2023-13, Proclamation for Commander Tim Gorman Day. And it's a fantastic day. <laughs> Whereas Commander Tim Gorman has served with Castle Rock Police Department since October 10th, 1983, and November, uh, on November 13th, 2023, and became the longest ever tenured town of employee for Castle Rock. And whereas Commander Gorman graduated from the Columbine High School in 1976 and went on to serve military police in the United States Army, from which he was honorably discharged in 1979, Gorman later graduated from Arapahoe uh, County Law Enforcement Training Academy. And whereas Commander Gorman began positively impacting Castle Rock community immediately upon joining the CRPD, as, as stated in August of 1984, it's a letter from a resident. Tim Gorman must be one of the finest people I've ever met. I am convinced that he is the kind of police officer that any community would be proud of. And whereas Commander Gorman was promoted to sergeant in April 1986 and lieutenant in 2003, and commander in 2012, he currently oversees the investigations division, which is comprised of detectives, property and evidence, and victims' assistance. And whereas Commander Gorman has served under the four different police chiefs, CRPD, and its proud graduate of the FBI National Academy. He became the department's first member to complete that program in 2007, and whereas Commander Gorman is easily recognized and well-respected member of, of CRPD and encounters old friends everywhere and makes new ones easily, which is part of what makes him invaluable both to the department and to the broader community. Now, therefore, the town council and the town of Castle does hereby proclaim 2000. Uh, sorry, November 30th, 2023, Commander Tim Gorman Day in town of Castle Rock encourages residents to celebrate in a special event. Passed, approved, and accepted the 21st day of November 2023 by a town council of the town of Castle Rock, Colorado. Thank <laughs> you. 
You're more than welcome to one if you want. Okay, then. <laughs> Again, thanks from all of us to you. Uh, I'll start with council comments. Um, for a lot of lot of people, the uh, the holidays are amazing, uh, and for some people, the holidays are hard. Uh, this is perhaps my worst week of the year every year, um, unfortunately. And uh, but I am so fortunate to have so many people who care about me and my family and and everything going on, um, and I'm very very thankful for that. Um, but you know. There's a passage in the Bible that says, you know, rejoice, rejoice with those um, who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. And that, I think that rings true, is, is when you're, people are gonna, having a good time, you should have a good time with them. And when people are having a hard time, you should try to be understanding, uh, loving, and kind. That's going to be like my, my little theme tonight about being kind. Um, this time of year is hard, whether it's e emotional stress or financial stress. Um, it can be really hard on, on, on families, and I'm hoping that, um, that we can remember that and that we can be giving in a way that we're not usually giving, you know, uh, whether it's, whether it's uh, paying, for, paying it forward in some way, uh, do, rounding up for, for charity, um, just doing something for others when, when you're able to do something for others, I think is important. Um, and it's just, it just, when in doubt, be kind, um, and if you can't be kind, be kind. Um, figure it out. Um, second, I'd like to, to mention starlighting. It's it's uh, it's one of my favorite. Uh, I wouldn't say holidays, but events of the year. Um, it was a truly amazing event this year, and I was so glad to see so many people here in this room as, as well who were at that event. It was um, it was just amazing, and that we couldn't have had better weather. Um, it was fantastic weather. I think it was probably the best weather we've had. Um, since I've been here 25 years, um, it, it was one of the few times that um, after the star was lit, people hung around a little bit, so it was nice. Um, and lastly, I'd like to make a motion um, to have 26th of, of December off for town employees and a half day for the town employees on the 26th, uh, 22nd, which is a Friday. Second. I have a first uh, myself and a second, uh, Kevin Bracken. Any, any further comments? Um, I just want to thank everyone for their hard work. Um, again, I, 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 I still think that when we can do things um, that are nice for our community and nice for the people in our town um, and our loved ones and the people we care about, I think it's important. And uh, we have a, do have a first and a second. Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingson. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Yes. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Yes. Thank you. Motion passes unanimous. Thank you very much. Next, I have Ryan Hollinshead. Yeah, thanks, Mayor. Um, in, uh, in the Meadows, there's been a great deal of interest in the uh, T-Mobile uh, proposed cell site at Bison Park. Um, the, the three neighborhood meetings have been complete, and there's been a, a great deal of, of uh, opinion on the on the subject and uh, we'll hear from a few people tonight um, but the timing of it is pretty quick here before the holidays it does go before planning commission now on december 14th and we had it scheduled on december 19th for town council and uh, the citizens involved want to have their voices heard and a lot of folks uh, mentioned that that'd be kind of tougher on the holidays so um, i move that we uh, take that off the town council agenda in december and move it to the january 16th meeting second thank you 
Any further, further comment? We do have first and second, Max Brooks. I just, just comment, I just want to make sure that everybody does understand that this will be a planning commission on December 14th. I would not want our volunteers on that fine board to miss out on any of the discussion around this uh, and would encourage all residents to attend that meeting. So, thank you. Thank you, Max. Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. Laura Cavey. Thank you, Mayor. I have a couple things tonight. Um, at one of our last meetings, we heard about some of the issues around pickleball. Um, so I would like to make a motion for a couple of things. To have a discussion in January with council and with staff about two pieces of it. One, if they are, if we already have a pickleball court today, and it's within, I don't know what the exact feet should be, 100 feet, 200 feet of someone's home, um, we should set hours of play for those uh, pickleball courts, one. And two, for anything that's going to be coming that's new, um, we should um, also look at how do we keep a proper distance from any of the homes that we might be building around so that we don't um, interrupt those folks in their home. Is that your motion? Yes, it's very uh, long. I'll, I'll second that. <laughs> <laughs> First by Laura Cavey, a second uh, by Tim Dietz. Um, Kevin Bracken, go ahead. Yeah, thank, thanks for that. those comments. The, uh, the other thing I'd like to, uh, now are, are, you, <clears throat> are you requesting more information or is it, or is it? Yeah, like how would we go about structuring that? A discussion, staff could come back, tell us how we might structure it, and then we can have a conversation on council about how we might move forward. I, I think included in that, um, in, in that investigation or, or information, I, th I don't know enough about the pickleball, like movement and associations and all that. I know they're, they're, they're pretty into it, which is awesome. Is there any way that, you know, do they have funding for some kind of mitigation? Do they have a solution? What is, what has happened in the other, yeah. um, you know, the other places? And, and I think if staff could reach out to the, to the association and figure out what, uh, what they have seen in the past, if they have any any uh, solutions or funding, and and some that's all. No, I like all that, Max, Max Brooks. Yeah, I, I think the mitigation piece is, is really important. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, also, I just want to make sure that, that we understand, you know, that it's not necessarily, um, you know, just from a, a recent meeting in, in the past. That this is something that we're we're trying to be proactive for the the future courts that are going in, and uh, and then also want to very much. Uh, encourage good behavior and uh, and good sportsmanship on both sides of the fence. Uh, we know that that it is it can be a little bit of a noisy endeavor, but we want to make sure that everybody's working together to find a solution. Um, staff, do you need uh, you know, that to be included in the motion, or you have direction enough to let the motion stand as is? I think we're getting good direction. I know Jeff's here as well, and Jeff's already started some analysis of this issue based on some earlier discussions. So I think we can. Talk about all of those things, and, and one one item you all haven't mentioned is whether or not these um, hours of operation or distancing requirements might apply to private pickleball courts. We don't have. I know of one in town, but we'll have that in the memo. I guess is my point for you all to to discuss and, and direct accordingly. That would be awesome. 
No, I, I appreciate it as well. I, uh, maybe also we could get, I know there's been some, we have some vandalism down there. We've had nets cut. We've had, we've had um, people putting uh, their own private locks on the, on the doors and that kind of stuff so people couldn't get in and play pickleball, um, which is illegal, of course. And, and so uh, maybe we could uh, get a little information on that too on what, um, what some of our citizens have been doing, both positive and negatively in our pickleball courts area. So. Yeah. So, thank you very much, yes, sir. Uh, just one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people are trying to extend their lives and be healthy, and uh, it's such a strange concept to stop people from working out in today's society. I just, I, uh, I think there's got to be some kind of compromise, and hopefully, there's some easy solutions. Yep. Agreed. Thank you, Max Brooks. Uh, only happy Thanksgiving. That's it. I know I don't want anybody to fall out of their. Oh, my, my apologies. I retract my happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, go ahead. Sorry. I just have one other item. Um, actually, a couple things I wanted to bring up. Sorry. Um, one other thing that I've talked to Dave about is at my open house, um, Cobblestone Ranch, when it was annexed in, it was annexed in with 10 mills that come to the town. That is different than anything that we have done since then, meaning when we annexed in Alexander Way, when we did Dawson's Trails, when we did Canyons Far South, we did five mills to the town. So Cobblestone is an outlier with 10 mills. And Dave and I have talked about this, and we think maybe there is a path forward where we could start to step them down year over year, like maybe over four or five years to get them down to the five mills that would be in line with everybody else um, in the community. Um, so I would like to make a motion to maybe put that on a January agenda for a discussion from staff and council. Second. Uh, first from Laura Kay, yeah, second from Ryan Hollinshead. Um, Thank you. I, I, the big thing on that one, I mean, if for people who weren't here, that was something that Cobblestone Ranch neighborhood agreed on, those 10 mills. Um, and I think in some ways, it's, that was how they got into Castle Rock, was agreeing on the 10 mills. So it's, I think it's a great discussion to have. Um, and I think ratcheting it down might be appropriate. So I'm looking forward to it. Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Lafleur? Aye. Mayor Gray? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. I would also like to extend a thank you to Mark Marlowe and David Van Dellen. So I would like to do this publicly. Um, I have been sitting as the chair for the Chatfield Watershed Board um, for the last year, and they have been invaluable um, in helping me chair that board, um, particularly David. Um, he literally prints out everything and tabs it for me. We sit down and have a meeting before every single um, meeting, and we talk through, you know, what do I need to pay attention to on it? Is the TAC okay? How, you know, is it okay to move these things forward? So I just would like to extend okay. my deepest appreciation to Mark and David and say thank you very much. Thank you. Councilmember Reckon. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. So um, I did get a phone call um, from a gentleman that calls me quite often, but um, so anyways, he was inquiring about some, some uh, high speeding 
folks that are coming down from Denver and the destination is the Lowe's at, in Castle Rock and then they kind of park there and then race back. Um, so I let him know that, you know, his perception was that, that Castle Rock PD is just ignoring it. I can assure you they're not ignoring the, those types of behaviors. If you see that activity, he said it's happening around one in the morning, um, sometimes on the weekends and he's, he's been, he's seen it twice now. Um, if you see that activity, call the call the non-emergency line or or 911 if it's excessive speed. Yep, yeah, I'd love to have Chief Colleague um, explain the protocol over and above what I would do. I just I just call the non-emergency line personally and just say, hey, you know. Yeah, we're we're very aware of this group. Um, this particular group. Um, Unlike what that gentleman had explained in his email, um, we haven't noticed any criminal activity that they've been involved in. Uh, Lowe's is aware of the fact that it's kind of like a car club. It is odd that it's one o'clock in the morning, but that's what they do. Um, we have been monitoring them physically present, but also on our camera system just to make sure everything's okay. But Lowe's is good with it, and thus far we haven't noticed any Anything illegal, any criminal behavior, anything from a traffic standpoint, but certainly if individuals see any type of uh, activity out there that they think that we need to be aware of, then they can certainly call us and we'll check it out. But we are aware that event that every once in a while they do come in a large group. They stay about 20 minutes and leave. So again, we're aware of them. No criminal activity that we've been able to notice so far. And um, at this point, it just seems like it's a car enthusiast club that gets together and that's just kind of what they do. So that's what we know so far. Thanks for the backup, Chief. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Mayor. No more comments. Thank you. Max Brooks. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. We all have something to be thankful for. Um, so let's focus on that. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Dietz. Same thing. No comments to another. And I'm just glad to see everybody. There's been enough said. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you. Mayor Pro Tem no comment tonight, Mayor. Thank you. Thank you very much. We are now moving on to the unscheduled public comment period. This time is reserved for members of the public to make a presentation to council on items or issues that are not scheduled for the agenda. As a general practice, the council will not discuss or debate these items, nor will council make <coughs> decisions on these items presented during this time. Rather than refer to items for follow-up, comments are limited to three minutes per speaker. Um, time will be limited to 30 minutes total. Residents will be given priority in the order they signed up, followed by non-residents uh, representing the town of Castle Rock businesses, then non-residents and businesses outside of town of Castle Rock as time permits. Mm -hmm. Council is also accepting public comment submitted written online at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included in the public record. I do have one son to speak. Um, actually, you have Jennifer, I'm going to butcher your name, Brzezici. Is that even close? No. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> okay, thank you. This one? Good evening. My name is Jennifer Brezicha, and I'm a resident of Castle Rock, and I live within a thousand feet of Bison Park in the Meadows. Last Monday, T-Mobile completed the third of their three community meetings about their proposal to install a 5G tower at Bison Park. 
I urge you to vote no on this proposal due to the negative impact to the property values and the anticipated loss of $17.4 million in property value if the towers are approved by the council and built. Earlier today, I emailed the council a letter outlining how the towers would impact the property value of the homes within 1,500 feet of the proposed towers based on a study from the National Association of Realtors. The study looked at data over a 10-year period through a complete real estate cycle when a cell tower was near the home and its impact on its value. The study identified three rings, 0 to 500 feet, 500 to 1,000 feet, 1,000 to 1,500 feet, that depending on which ring your home fell into, that upon the completion of the installment of the tower, the value of your home was immediately dropped. There are 346 homes that would be within 1,500 feet of the proposed tower at Bison Park. Based on the Douglas County Assessor's 2023 valuation of these homes, their combined value is $287.4 million. When rates from the studies are applied to these homes, it is estimated that the community will lose $17.4 million in property value, with an average of $50,000 per home. Ultimately, the loss of $17.4 million in home value upon the completion of the proposed towers will impact the Meadows real estate market as the lower sales comps around Bison Park will impact the sales values of the other homes. The proposal from T-Mobile to build a bathroom at Bison Park could have towers that would have the towers installed would meet the current zoning code. In community meetings, T-Mobile has commented that it'll cost an estimated half a million dollars to build the bathroom, that, the, that they will then be maintained, that the maintenance and the utility cost will be the responsibility of the town of Castle Rock on a going forward basis. As such, T-Mobile would enter into a long-term lease agreement with this town of Castle Rock to help offset some of those costs. The community has been informed that the proposed terms of the contract between the town of Castle Rock and T-Mobile will not be made public until it is being voted on by the council. This does not allow for the community to do any analysis on the return on the investment that the town of Castle Rock will be receiving if this proposal is approved compared to the potential loss of property value by the residents and owners in the meadows. In addition, there are other sites in the community that could meet T-Mobile's technical needs, but were not considered due to current zoning restrictions that the town of Castle Rock has put in place. In the community meeting on November 13th, T-Mobile said it would be an uphill fight to make those zoning changes, and effectively that it wasn't worth their effort to pursue those options. We have been asking, by the way, since the first community meeting for them to pursue other options. In the letter that I sent earlier today for you, I've included the study that I used for the reference, uh, for your reference, it was used to do the math. I've also included the list of the homes in the meadows on a per house basis and the expected loss per home. Therefore, I urge the council to vote no on the proposal from T-Mobile as the amount that T-Mobile will offer to pay the town of Castle Rock will in no way make up for the lost property value to the community. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Next, I have Chad. Help me out, Chad. Ozdemir. Oh, do it again. What's that? I'll do it again for me. Ozdemir. Ozdemir. Thank you. So my name is Chad. I'm also a resident uh, right near Bison Park. Uh, these towers would be about 150 feet from my front door. Um, so when I think of a 5G tower with a three-pronged array uh, facing into my house with my 7-year-old and 17-year-old, not to mention all the other kids that uh, are in that area, in the park area. I'm just here to voice my concern about, uh, about putting a facility like that uh, so close to homes uh, at the same level when they talk about with the, uh, 
uh, with the easements on how high they're allowed to go, uh, this thing is actually level with a lot of the homes. So the array that it's putting out is directly into homes. Um, the loss of value, as Jennifer mentioned, uh, you know, with $200 million worth of houses there to lose $17 million in the community that's just within that 1,500 feet, not to mention what it would do to the comps that are just beyond those ranges. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, it's not worth, at least in my opinion, it's not worth having a 20 to $25 million loss of 400 or 500 homes in the area just so a select group of people can have better cell phone coverage. I'm actually a former T-Mobile customer of 10 years. I changed my plan. I got a better deal. I got free phones uh, by switching to another carrier that has better service in the area. Uh, T-Mobile also provides uh, Wi-Fi uh, boosters for the homes. So when they talk about a half million dollar cost to build this structure, who knows how much the equipment inside of it costs, and let's call it another half million, so that's a million they're into it. If you divide those four or 500 homes that it's actually gonna help, uh, I'm sure they could maybe try to find another way to, uh, to get better cell service to their customers in the area. Um, and also with the, uh, the shenanigans that goes on there from the high school kids at night, I imagine we're on the, the easier side of some of the stuff that probably goes on in the local parks, but uh, the local cops are good about getting over there when somebody obviously calls in. But I think an area like this where there's lockable bathrooms, lights and bathrooms, it's going to be somewhat of a breeding ground for the high school kids uh, at night and during uh, fireworks season. <laughs> we've, uh, we've heard a lot of M80s going off in the restrooms there and whatnot, so I worry about the you know damages to the facilities and the infrastructure that could happen there. Um, not to mention the power that's coming in there. Uh, you know, the amount of uh, power that's coming through the roof in there, um, I guess it's not regulated in the sense that somebody can dial it up. Um, so there's a lot of uh, technical considerations that I think, you know, the town should be aware of uh, as far as what this thing could do if it went awry or if a kid got in there and messed something up where T-Mobile's not monitoring the system. But uh, I just wanted to voice my concern and ask you guys to vote no if, uh, if and when it comes to it. Thank you, Chad. Thank you. Appreciate it. Next I have Gianna Sittas. My name is Jonna Seitz. I'm a resident of the Meadows, and I'm here today also regarding the cell, tone, cell tower at Bison Park. Uh, for a host of reasons, I kindly request that this council deny this proposal. I live directly across from Bison Park. My, this three-story three structure is slated to be built about 50 to 75 feet from my front door. I actually walked from my front porch the other day, and it took me 55 steps to get to the site that they are slated to build this. There are a lot of communities across the US and abroad that have ordinances protecting their citizens from having a tower built in such close proximity. To be honest, I think it's unfortunate that we have not yet created those sort of setback rules. Uh, the communities that have enacted these laws have setback requirements that average from 500 to 3,000 feet. This structure is intended to be placed on top of a park, a mere 50, or 50 feet or so from the closest home, and less than 500 feet from an elementary school. 
The proximity of this structure will negatively impact our property value. If T-Mobile had any consideration for the community surrounding this proposal, they might have suggested perhaps this tower be built in the center of the park, allowing the large, the large elevation of the structure to be somewhat absorbed by the distance and maybe be more obscure to potential home buyers, but that is not the case. The plans have this structure bumped up, bumped up against one side of the park so that it's basically on top of the homes on Clear Sky. To be clear, I don't believe this tower belongs in the park whatsoever, but their failure to consider even the most obvious elements of this proposal that could have potentially made it more amenable to our community just goes, how, just goes to show what little consideration they are giving the community surrounding Bison Park. One of our neighbors that you just heard speak as a real estate investment banker has done that in-depth analysis. I personally and my husband stand to lose about $70,000 in value from our home if this tower is erected. And there are about, as she mentioned, 346 homes within 1,500 feet. I'm gonna repeat this because I think it's important. With this analysis, all, the, all of those homes will experience a loss in value, so that $17.4 million in projected loss is huge. And that's really just unacceptable. I have three children. Raising them adjacent to a large cell tower is terrifying to me. I recognize that the FCC guidelines state that radiation emitted from a 5G tower is perfectly safe. However, those guidelines were last updated in 1996, 27 years ago. Since that time, many experts in the fields of medicine and science have come forward with claims that the FCC guideline limits are outdated and for children specifically, should be hundreds of times lower than current federal limits. Uh, I actually personally spoke with an expert at CU, his name is Mike Van Dyke, PhD, who would be, I was told, kind of a local expert on this sort of thing, and his, his overall feedback to me was that the experts agree to disagree on this topic. Some say the 5G towers are perfectly safe in close proximity, others say they're absolutely hazardous to our health. Of the health concerns that pop, leukemia is probably the most prominent. There's a lot of politics involved in this topic, which is why it makes it so complicated. I'll end it there, but thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, we have no one else's time to speak. Um, I just want to speak on this real fast. Uh, hopefully, um, people in the audience and people at home understand this is a quasi-judicial subject right now, so we're not allowed to really talk about it. Um, so hopefully you guys respect that and understand that we're, we're allowed to take in information. We're not really allowed to dispense information. Also, um, we're not really allowed to talk or talk about the health effects. That's, that's an FCC thing. Um, we can talk. We can talk about the other issues that are um, that may may or may not be involved. Um, but the FCC really does the health side of it, and we um, that's not something we can really not we can not thought we can't talk about it. But we, can't, but we can't say yes or no um, for the, for the, on that that matter. So if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. Um, otherwise. Um, I encourage, like as Max Brooks mentioned, uh, we have a planning commission in December, and we'll, this is, uh, has been continued to January. So thanks again for your guys' input, and make sure you stay involved. Thank you. Town manager's report. Oh, anybody online? Sorry. Sorry, Shannon. Thank you. David. Mayor Council, um, we've just got a, a brief slide on um, calendar items. Other than that, I commend to you the uh, monthly department reports that you have. Um, in there as well, and I uh, want to wish you all and all of town staff a uh, happy Thanksgiving. So uh, with the next slide, we've just got a little bit of some calendar items. I think you all have received an invitation to the Toys for Tots Gala uh, there on December the 8th, and then we've also got um, our electric cooperative is having a, um, an appreciation lunch uh, there on December the 
the the 13th, um, obviously the, the holiday information will change just a little bit based on your earlier action. Then we'll be off into the um, to the new year. So unless I've got any questions on the calendar, we do have some some neighborhood meetings. Um, you see there November the 27th, the Dunkin' Donuts there uh, near Four Corners. Um, there. Uh, neighborhood meeting and then Terramonte, this is their first meeting. This is the property at Ridge and Plum Creek Parkway. Staff has been working with them um, to see if they can uh, 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 put forth a proposal that we think meets our um, annexation cr criteria of uh, exceptional or extraordinary. Um, those Most people think those terms are synonymous. Um, to, to look at that, uh, to look at that uh, uh, proposal, and we'll see what the community thinks, the neighborhood thinks, and obviously maybe if it, if it proceeds, what what town council thinks about that. And then um, the arbors there on uh, on Wolfensburger, uh, they've got a site development plan. They've got a, a neighborhood meeting that's likely to show up here in in December, and then we've got some holiday um, events on the next slide. There we go. Um, as well. So, uh, happy to respond to any questions. Any questions for David or staff? Seeing none. Thank you. Town and Church report. Uh, no report tonight, uh, Mayor, but uh, happy Thanksgiving to you all and to uh, everyone in the town from our office. And I would just like to uh, give a shout out to our operations manager, Stephanie Raff, who uh, passed her uh, certified legal manager test and is now uh, fully certified uh, uh, under those uh, standards. So a uh, real good uh, plus for our office to have her involved. So thank, thank you. you. Move on to the acceptance of the agenda. There are no changes, additions, or deletions to the agenda. A motion to accept the agenda as presented will be accepted. We need to take that off. Or... Move to accept the agenda. Second. <laughs> it wasn't on the agenda. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. On, it wasn't on the agenda. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. So we have a first. Um, Brian Holland's head and a second from the digital floor. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cady? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Time LaFleur? Aye. Mayor Gray? Aye. Thank you. Moving on to the consent calendars. These items are generally routine in nature and have been previously reviewed by a town council and will be voted on in a single motion without discussion. Any member of town council may remove an item from the consent calendar. Number six, ordinance 2023-22, ordinance approving the fourth amendment of the 2023 fiscal year budget by making supplemental appropriations for the 2023 fiscal year. Number seven, Order 2023-37, ordinance amending chapters 15.12 of the Castle Rock Municipal Code, adopting by reference as a primary code for the 2023 edition of the National Electrical Code and amendments, and amending the chapters 15.28 uh, of the Castle Rock Municipal Code, adopted by references miscellaneous codes related to conveyances and accessible buildings and facilities. Number eight, ordinance 2023-33, ordinance annexing the town of Castle Rock, Colorado uh, 73.76 acres of land located in the north half of section 26, township seven south, range 67 west, the sixth principal meridian 
Douglas County, Colorado, pursuant to annexation petition submitted uh, by 455 Alexander LLC, Terra Investors LLC. Number nine, ordinance 2023-34, ordinance approving the initial zoning for 73.76 acres of land located at the north half of section 26, Township 7, South Range 67, west of the 7th Principal Meridian, Douglas County, Colorado, pursuant to the zoning application submitted by 455 Alexander LLC, Terra, Tierra Investors LLC, approving the rezoning of the 4.2 acre parcel of land adjacent thereto. Number 10, Ordinance 2023-35, Ordinance uh, annexing the town of Castle Rock, Colorado, 5.31 acres of land located in the north, north half of Section 25, Township 7, South Range 67, West, uh, west of the 6th Principal Meridian, Douglas County, Colorado, pursuant to annexation petition submitted by the town of Castle Rock, Colorado. Number 11, Ordinance approving the initial zoning for 5.31 acres of land located in the north half of Section 25, Township 7, South, range of 67 west of the 6th Principal Meridian, Douglas County, Colorado, pursuant of zoning application submitted by the Town of Castle Rock, Colorado. Number 12, Resolution 2023-139, Resolution waiving formal written bidding requirements with the sole basis of sole source approving construction contract with Sabel Civil Landscape LLC for the Cobblestone Ranch Regional Park Reconstruction Project. Number 13, Resolution 2023-140, Resolution approving the spot water lease agreement between the Town of Castle Rock and Bomar. Number 14, uh, minutes 2023-21, minutes mm -hmm. November 7, 2023, town council meeting. I'll accept the motion. So moved. Second. I have a first by Councilmember Bracken, second by designated the floor. And any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Yes. Thank you. Motion passes 7-0. Thank you. Next, I have quasi-judicial hearings. The following items are due process law required under color law in order to afford all parties due process under law. Town council must be fair and impartial in deciding whether the application should be approved, approved with conditions, or denied. In making that determination, each council member must consider for the record, which includes planning commission recommendation, staff recommendation, applicant presentation, public comment presented during the meeting, and written public comments offered before and during the hearing. Under law, town council must evaluate the proposed based solely on the record and criteria established under municipal code, which is highlighted in the staff report. It is important that each council member remain objective and capable of considering information offered into the record during the hearing. If any council member believes that he or she is incapable of evaluating voting on the application consistent with these due process requirements, please describe the situation and recuse yourself from further participation. Does any council member have any conflict of interest that he or she would like to disclose prior to the proceeding? Madam Clerk, has this publicly been properly public hearing been properly noticed under applicable regulations for these type of land use hearings? Yes, it has, Mayor. Thank you. The council will now have 
hear from the applicant, the public, and staff, and public comments will be taken and limited to four minutes per speaker. Council is also accepting written comments, written and submitted online at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be entered to the record. Number 15, ordinance 2023-38. Ordinance designating the Cantrell School as a historic land landmark, amending sections 15.64.060 of the Castle Rock Municipal Code. Brad. Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council Members. I'm here this evening uh, for your consideration of a local landmark designation for the Cantrell School. Um, the Cantrell School uh, comprises of a full city block. Um, it is located between Cantrell and Lewis and 3rd and 4th Street. Um, I'd just like to provide a quick little history on the property. It, the, the school was built in 1897. It's a two-story Italian villa style with a three-story uh, three bell tower uh, made predominantly of rhyolite stone. It operated as a school until 1984, and then it was used for Douglas County School District offices until uh, our recent purchase of the property. Uh, the property was nationally landmarked in 1984. Um, one of the reasons why it was not locally landmarked at that time was that the Castle Rock Historic Preservation Ordinance did not go into effect in 1994, so there was no local landmarking at that time. Um, in 2023, earlier this year, the National Landmark designation was amended um, to incorporate the uh, historic the significance of the history of the building in regards to its uh, education in Douglas County. I just wanted to kind of touch base on the condition of the building. It, the, the building has great bones, but it definitely needs some TLC um, from a historic preservation um, perspective. Um, the windows need uh, some work along with the soffits. I also wanted to touch base on kind of what the existing process would be uh, for any changes. Uh, the property as it's located in Craig and Gould would be subject to design review by the Historic Preservation Board at a public hearing. Um, Criteria that they would look like and include the interior Secretary of Interior's interior standards of rehabilitation. By locally landmarking, we don't we just change the name of the process, but the criteria that we look at would remain the same. When we look to locally landmark a property, we look at the structure's significance and its historic integrity. Uh, for significance, it needs to meet two of the criteria. As you can be, see by the slide, it has met four of the criteria, that it plays a, played an important role in the educational history of the county, it is a architectural significant building, the use of rhyolite is a cultural significant uh, item, and the building is more than 50 years old. In regards to his historic integrity, it actually meets all of the uh, criteria. It's located in the same area. It has the general feel that it had back in the day, as, long as, as does the Craig and Gould neighborhood. Staff finds that the Cantrell School conforms to the goals of the town's guidance documents. It's in conformance with the town's historic preservation plan, and it meet, meets the review and uh, approval criteria of the Castle Rock Municipal uh, Chapter 15.64.80 landmark designation. On November 1st, uh, the Historic Preservation Board voted 6 to 0 to recommend that Town Council approve the local landmark designation. On the screen, I have some proposed motions for your consideration. And I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. Any questions for Brad before it goes to public comment? Seeing none, 
I have no one set to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium, speak in the microphone, and online users may use your hand, raise your hand feature and phone in callers express star three and please state your name and whether you are a resident, non-resident, or business owner, you have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll bring back to town council for a discussion and a possible motion. Desi LaFleur. Uh, Mayor, I move to approve the, is it an ordinance, is introduced by title, I'm sorry. Do we have a motion? Yeah, it's an ordinance. Second. Um, on first reading. Okay, thanks. Second. <laughs> uh, first by Council, uh, sorry, Mayor Pro Tem uh, LaFleur, second by Council Member Katie. Any further discussion? I just want to say thank you guys for all your hard work. This building is obviously a, a huge jewel for us and uh, needs to be cared for. So thank you. Thank you. Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember <clears throat> Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Yes. Mayor Gray? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Number 16, uh, resolution 2023-141, uh, approving, resolution approving the Alexander Way Development Agreement. TJ? Thank you, Mayor and Council Members. Uh, I'm here to present the Alexander Way Development Agreement. Uh, so Alexander Way is uh, approximately 77 acres east of Silver Heights, north of Alexander Place, and west of Diamond Ridge, as shown on the map. Uh, all right, uh, so some of the key elements of the uh, development agreement. Uh, so the development of $500,000 in infrastructure and the first building permit uh, must be completed by December 31st of 2033. Uh, the owner shall convey all groundwater rights to the town and the owner shall also, also convey additional groundwater rights to the town. Um, the Alexander Way development will also contribute to the Founders and Allen and Founders and Front Street uh, transportation uh, intersection improvements. Uh, there's also a regional mill levy of five mills uh, imposed by the Metropolitan District and to be remitted to the town. Um, they're conveying uh, just over 31 acres of open space to the town and will be uh, const uh, construction of a, uh, and maintenance of natural soft surface trail system uh, through that open space. Um, as also as part of it, uh, they are required to uh, submit for a wild, wildfire mitigation plan for the uh, open space that is to be dedicated to the town and also a fire protection plan for their uh, development as well. Uh, so, uh, staff recommends approval of the Alexander Way Development Agreement. Uh, I have some proposed motions on the screen for you, and I uh, would be happy to answer any questions uh, that you may have. Any questions for TJ? Seeing none, I have no, no one else. I have no one time to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium and speak in the microphone. And online users may use the raise your hand feature. And phone and callers, just press star three. Please hit your name and whether you're a resident, non resident, or business owner. You have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll bring back the town council for a possible motion and discussion. Move to approve the resolution as introduced by title. Second. First by Max Brooks, a second by Laura Cavey. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. 
Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Aye. Mayor Gray? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you. Advertise public hearing action items. Public comment will be taken on these items. Limited to four minutes per speaker. Council will be will also accept comments written online and submitted at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included in the public record. Number 17, uh, discussion direction uh, 2023-31, discussion direction North Meadows Drive traffic calming plan. Dan. Thank you, Mary. Good evening, uh, Council. Uh, recently, Town Council uh, directed staff to uh, update our neighborhood traffic calming plan to include uh, the allocation of collectors to be considered for uh, traffic calming. Uh, and tonight, we've got two of those uh, collectors that uh, are coming back to you based on requests from uh, uh, residents that have met those criteria to put traffic calming devices on these streets. The first one is North Meadows Drive. Um, and just for reference, uh, this shows the vicinity of uh, North Meadows. The, um, the entire street actually connects uh, both ends of uh, Meadows Boulevard from the north to the south um, and serves as the primary uh, roadway in and out uh, to the residences as well as the town center area. Um, the, the primary point of contact uh, did uh, go through our process and, and obtain the required amount of uh, signatures to assess this location. This is a close-up of the vicinity, which is unique about this stretch on the north end. This is closest to uh, uh, the high school portion in Meadows Boulevard at the top end, is that these residences shown here in the yellow box are the only ones along the street that actually have direct driveway access to the roadway. Uh, the balance of the street uh, actually has little alleys or, or, or pull-offs that, that to provide access to the residents. So they're the ones that really notice uh, uh, the most uh, some of the impacts when they're pulling into and out of the, the driveways, and that's where the request came from. So the request is not to look at the entire um, stretch, but primarily this segment shown in orange here uh, in the vicinity of, of those houses. Um, on the left-hand side, I do, I do want to point out some of the uh, data analysis that staff collected as part of our, our review. Um, the existing posted limit is 25 miles per hour um, in this stretch. Um, and as uh, number five shows on here, the, the measured 85th percentile speed, which is essentially the speed at which 85% of the traffic volume that we measured is traveling at or below. So approximately 15% is, 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 is traveling above that, the, the speeds that we show here. Uh, so at the, near the Champaign intersection, uh, we measured the 85th percentile speed at 30 miles per hour. Um, and at Elegant Street, which is uh, toward the uh, bottom of the, of the map, we measured that at 35 miles per hour. So as, as people are, are, are kind of traveling in that non-residential area, the speeds are, are, are higher, um, which isn't overly surprising, but it starts to, to drop down as they get closer to the residential area, but it is higher than the posted limit. Um, the, the town did meet with a, a variety of different staff uh, with the other departments, police, fire, public works, um, and are recommending that uh, uh, three speed cushions, as shown on the photo here, uh, be installed along uh, the segment that I showed in orange. Uh, essentially, it's a speed hump with, with the center tracks kind of cut out to allow for um, um, decreased impacts on fire response. So. 
they're they're wide enough to accommodate the the chassis of the of a typical fire response vehicle a little bit longer or wider than the traditional uh, vehicle but people do tend to try to drive through the center of that to avoid that we have seen that in other locations um, it, it doesn't necessarily create accident problems you know people do get concerned about that but for the most part there's good views when people do choose to do that but we do have, have found historically that the installation of these speed uh, cushions do reduce the speed uh, of the of the vehicles that are that are traveling through the area so we we do think this will be a good improvement um, we did take this uh, out to the public for feedback um, at the recent district uh, one and three joint open house. Um, uh, we, we got positive feedback. Uh, we also uh, mailed out uh, approximately 190 mailers to the surrounding residents um, and the, the, the feedback that we received was positive as well. So this uh, shows the location of where the uh, uh, proposed uh, speed cushions would be located. Uh, so the, the red rectangles that are shown on the map um, are, are a good distribution that should help uh, maintain a consistent speed throughout the area of concern. And then in that curve section, um, we're proposing to actually put in some uh, uh, double yellow striping as well to delineate that as a reminder, you know, the, uh, you know where people need to um, be driving as, as far as the uh, lanes go. So this provides an overview of the, of the estimate to, to install the uh, speed cushions. We anticipate that we can do this with in-house staff. Um, so it's a, it's a relatively minor cost for the speed cushions. Um, and we anticipate that we can actually um, install these by the end of the year if we're able to actually get uh, asphalt. Um, as right now, the, the plants start to shut down with the winter uh, months. The demand uh, tends to decrease. Um, but if we can get the asphalt and the weather allows us, we're, we're hopeful that we can actually get them installed by the end of the year. If not, uh, worst case, it would be uh, um, in the springtime when, when weather does uh, permit. So we did review this with the Public Works Commission. Um, they, they are supportive of the recommended plan. Um, and uh, we recommend that uh, Town Council direct us to, to move forward with the installation of this uh, recommendation. Happy to answer any questions. Any questions for Dan? Laura Cavey. A um, little bit of a hard left, but I got a lot of questions about this at my open house, particularly in Sapphire Point, the main drag that goes through Sapphire Point. Um, can you just walk me through really quick what we have to do in order to get like some of these speed cushions done in other areas? Sure. Our, um, I, I don't have the whole update uh, committed to memory yet. It is on our website, but uh, the, the new process essentially um, needs a champion that uh, that can um, essentially go around to their neighbors and, and, and list support to say, yeah, this is a common theme. And if we get enough signatures that says, yeah, we're interested in pursuing uh, the town to, to actually review this and come up with a plan, um, then w the staff will, will actually assess options, we'll, we'll collect data, and then we'll do the same thing. We'll come back with a recommendation to town council on, on how to proceed. Uh, it's not overly complex. So the first place for me to start would be recommending that the resident goes in the surrounding area and gets um, a petition going and they, is there a certain amount of signatures or they just have to get, uh, you know, you have 10 to, if, if, if you point them, if, 
<laughs> if you point them to us, we, we'd be happy to, to talk them through the process and walk them through the specific steps. So if they want to reach out uh, to me or, or Tom Reif, who's our program manager, that his name is listed and, and contact information is, is listed on the website. Uh, we're happy to, to, to talk them through what that process is and get them started. Okay, I appreciate it, thank sure. you. Thank you, any more questions for Dan or staff? Seeing none, I'll open it to the public. I have no one time to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium and speak in the microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature and phone and calls to express star three. And please state your name and whether you're a resident, non-resident, or business owner. You have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll bring it back to, to town council for a possible motion and discussion. Mayor, I move to direct staff to implement the plan as provided and I'd like to speak to the motion. Second. I have a first by Kevin Bracken, a second by Ryan Hollinshead, and then go ahead and speak to the motion. Thank you. Dan, this is, this is amazing work. Um, I physically sat there with um, some of those residents and I watched the people zip around the corner and they're like, well, why can't you do anything? And because the answer is because we need data, uh, we need to follow the process. So thank you for helping these residents uh, you know, drive the process and get this done and um, well done. Great job, I look forward to the end result. Thank you, any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Aye. And Mayor Gray? Aye. Thank you, motion passes. Thank you, number 18, direction discussion 2223, um, that's 32, discussion on the Foothills Drive traffic common request. Uh, this is this information, it's not to be voted on tonight. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thank you again, Mayor. This is the second of two um, collector streets that uh, we've had some interest in, in putting some traffic common devices on, and as part of our updated uh, plan, we did follow those procedures to, to review um, and provide a recommendation uh, to town council to actually not move forward with any uh, changes on foothills. Um, this shows the vicinity of, of the location uh, within the meadows. This is a, a collector that serves a, a high volume of residential streets uh, on the western end of the meadows. Uh, the existing posted limit is 35 miles per hour. Um, and the measured 85th percentile speed, again, which is the speed at, or the maximum speed that 85% or, or less of the drivers are traveling at, um, is 34 miles per hour. So the, the majority of the traffic that we measured is in conformance with the posted speed limit out there. We do have a um, reduced speed zone that serves the adjacent elementary school. That's shown in, with the yellow dots, or not the yellow dots, but the, the dashed line segment on this uh, roadway. Uh, so when school is in session at the beginning and, and the let out of school, the speed limit drops to 20 within that stretch, and we have found that there is compliance with that um, in that zone. So that does assist with keeping the, the speeds at the at or below the posted limit. And then recently, our traffic engineering staff uh, just installed some um, additional supplemental treatments at the crosswalk shown here on, on the map, which is a, a location where we have uh, a higher number of pedestrians that typically cross the street. Um, and, and those are the flashing beacons that, that you might see in other locations that, that raises awareness to drivers that there's interest in and people that want to use the crosswalk. Uh, so we have made some safety enhancements on this roadway um, and see that the existing environment is conducive and supportive of the traveling speed that's out there in a safe manner. 
Again, an interdepartment uh, team did take a look at this assessment um, and based on, on the data that we uh, collected and the existing uh, um, uh, treatments that are out there to assist with uh, pedestrian safety and vehicle safety, uh, we're recommending that no additional improvements be made on Foothills Drive at this time. Uh, we, we did take this uh, uh, um, um, recommendation to the uh, joint district open house um, and provided some input and, and received uh, uh, similar comments. We didn't see really any negative feedback as far as uh, the recommendation goes. Uh, we specifically notified the point of contact and we didn't get a reply back, um, you know, saying that they were supportive or not of the plan. We also did review this with the Public Works Commission, um, and they did unanimously uh, agree that uh, no additional uh, measures are recommended at this time. If uh, town council uh, agrees, um, essentially there'd be a, a year-long freeze on this on reviewing that again uh, to see if conditions change or warrant that change. And then if there's interest, we, you know, we could do that again and assess it if there's somebody that still feels that something different is, is necessary. Um, so with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. Any questions for Dan? Well, Dan, I thank you for the uh, update and uh, non-recommendation, I guess. Certainly. Um, moving on to number uh, 19, Ordinance 2023-39, Ordinance authorizing the ex exercise of the town of powers of an eminent domain and acquire certain real property interest necessary for Wolfensburger widening project. Dan. Thank you, Mayor. Um, th this item is essentially requesting authorization should we be unsuccessful with uh, uh, negotiating um, uh, property values with uh, with property owners along the Wolfensburger corridor where we're looking to actually widen and expand that roadway in, in accordance with our transportation master plan. Um, I'm going to ask our, our town attorney to assist me on this uh, presentation because there's a lot of illegalese associated with this, and yeah, I think you've seen some of this. Um, but I'll provide an overview of the project. Uh, this map shows the, the limits along Wolfensburger that we intend to eventually uh, widen to four lanes. Um, Prairie Hawk is shown in the upper right-hand corner of the map, and then the town limits are shown uh, uh, at the lower left-hand corner. Um, currently, within our transportation master plan, we've identified the need to widen this roadway to support the, the full build-out of the entire town. Um, right now, there's, there's not sufficient, or, continuous uh, paths for pedestrians to utilize. So we were looking at adding uh, sidewalks along the entire stretch to, to make the pedestrian environment uh, safer, as well as adding some bike lanes to that. Um, and the project does uh, uh, meet the goal of, of trying to decrease the congestion by improving the capacities to, to support the additional volume that's projected on that, on that stretch of roadway. Um, before Mike gets into this portion, I, I do want to state that currently we're in the process of, of uh, completing the 30% design level um, due to revenue uh, projections that are forecasted to, to be uh, um, less than what we had anticipated in last year's five-year CIP plan. Uh, we have had to actually move out the construction recommendation uh, to later in the current five-year plan based on, on the drop in, in forecasted uh, housing starts. That's where we get the, uh, the, the bulk of our capital revenue for, for transportation projects, and that has, uh, has dropped off. Um, 
And so we've, we've gotten the design to the point where we can shelve that. We, we'd have to pick that back up, but we have enough information to allow us to move forward with acquiring the property. We don't think the property is gonna get cheaper uh, to wait, so we, we do wanna go ahead right now and, and, and start acquiring the property that will allow us in the future to finish the design and then move into construction when we're ready to go. Um, so with that, I'm gonna turn this portion over to our town attorney and, and Mike can walk you through the eminent domain kind of process. Great, hey, thank you, Dan, appreciate it. Uh, I'm gonna, of course, rely on you to uh, steer the PowerPoint for mm -hmm. me, so much appreciated for that, Dan. Uh, eminent domain uh, is the process by which a government acquires uh, property for uh, uh, public projects. Uh, uh, Dan has discussed the need for the uh, project. It's one of the requirements uh, that we have to show when we uh, go to court. Uh, the process is authorized under both the uh, United States, Colorado constitutions, also under our town charter. Uh, one of the things we have to do, we have to uh, engage in good faith negotiations with uh, each landowner uh, that we are going to be uh, asking to uh, contribute to this project. Uh, that's really the assurance that uh, uh, the landowner received uh, just compensation for uh, their property. That is a, a legal requirement as well, uh, and that is why we typically go out, get the property appraised, and uh, under the process, uh, a landowner will have the right to uh, uh, get their own appraisal uh, on the town's dime. Uh, these uh, processes, they assure that uh, capital projects can proceed uh, within schedule, within budget. Uh, next slide, Dan. And I think one of the things I would like to mention is that uh, uh, we do have an added feature in our town code. Uh, it's become a very important feature. I think this is why you get the results on the slide that you're seeing on your screen right now, is that we have to go back to town council uh, after the negotiation process and uh, ask for uh, approval to actually file a condemnation action in case uh, we've been unable to acquire any properties. Uh, so if you look at our history here, and you're looking at about nine projects over the past 15 years uh, that we can kind of show you uh, what we've done, and this is over 260, this is 260 parcels uh, that we've sought to acquire uh, in 94 different ownerships. And uh, we have just filed our sixth case, the second case for the Crystal Valley Interchange, but that's a very low number. We have a very good percentage uh, of success here in negotiating uh, fair deals with our landowners. So uh, anyway, here we go, the post-ordinance process. Uh, I've described the appraisal. We do send that notice of intent out telling uh, property owners of their rights. Uh, again, uh, one of those rights being obtaining an appraisal. We do make an initial offer, we engage in negotiations, and then uh, hopefully we don't have to come back. If we do, then you know we've pretty much exhausted all efforts uh, to acquire the property. Dan? Yeah, thanks, Mike, for, uh, for that overview. Um, as, as I mentioned, uh, the actual finishing of the design process as well as the anticipated construction has been pushed out um, as shown here on the, on the projected schedule. Uh, we are showing the right-of-way acquisition to proceed in 2024. 
So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions that council may have. Any questions for Dan? Seeing none, I have no one's time to speak. If, I, if someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium and speak in a microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature. And phone in callers, press star three, and please state your name and whether you are a resident, non-resident, or business owner, you will have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, bring back town council for a possible motion and discussion. I move to approve the ordinance as introduced by title. Second. First by Desi Floor, second by Laura Cavey. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Aye. Mayor Gray? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you, Dan. <clears throat> Number 20. Um, executive session 2023-2 town manager and an, an attorney annual performance evaluation the time is now 710 i move that we go into executive session with the purpose of discussion of town managers and, and town attorneys annual performance and evaluation under crs 24-64024 fl second i have a first by myself a second by kevin bracken any further discussion roll call vote please Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cady? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Aye. Mayor Gray? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes 7 Thank 0. You. We'll be back, by the way, if you want to stay. Reconvene uh, session report, executive session re re report, November 21st, 2023, town manager and town attorney annual performance evaluations. An executive session was held at the end of November 2000, November 20, 21st, 2023, at the regular council meeting. The purpose for the executive session was to try to uh, conduct the town manager and town attorney's annual performance evaluations. If anyone believes that there are any subject, subjects, discussion of any matters were not included in the motion to go into executive session that occurred outside of the executive session or any improper action occurred during the executive session in a violation of the open meetings law, I would like to have them state your concerns for the record. Seeing none, um, uh, and we, we will go ahead and um, I would like to ex um, accept the motion to increase the annual sal salary of the town manager by 3.25. Are you making the motion? No, I'm accepting the motion. Oh. Go ahead. I so, motion to approve. <laughs> second. I have a first by Council, uh, Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur, second by uh, Kevin Bracken. Any further discussion? Um, I just want to say thank you, uh, Dave and Michael, for um, listening to us talk as well as I want to thank the department heads and council for the, uh, the review. Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cady? Yes. Councilmember Bracken? Yes. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur? Aye. And Mayor Gray? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. I'll set the motion to increase the annual salary of the town attorney by 2.75. So moved. Second. I have a first by Kevin Bracken, a second by Ryan Hollingshead. Any further discussion? It's just the same notes from last time. Thank you. Roll call vote, please. 
Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. No. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. And Mayor Gray. Aye. Thank you. Motion passes 6-1. Thank you. The time is now 9.07. I'll set the motion to adjourn the meeting. Oh. Second. First by Kevin Bracken, second by Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Any further discussion? Uh, good work tonight, everybody. Thank you very much. Roll call vote. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cave. Yes. Councilmember Bracken. Quick draw. Councilmember Bracken. Yes. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem LaFleur. Aye. Mayor Gray. Aye. Thank you. Motion passes unanimous. Thank you, everybody. We are Thank you. 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 Thank you.